Welcome to the Coaching DNA Podcast. I'm your host, Travis Wyckoff. I'm also the founder of Kingdom Coaching, my consulting business in which I coach leaders. This week, my guest is Matt Deggs. Matt is the baseball coach at the University of Louisiana Lafayette. During part one of my conversation, Matt and I discuss his journey of ups and downs, his strengths, his ultimate purpose in this profession, and much, much more. Matt has been uh, uber successful everywhere he's been and has really embodied what perseverance and getting up off the mat looks like. He's a great leader and coach. So without further ado, my conversation with Matt Deggs. Matt, man, thanks for hopping on with us and, and creating some space. Why don't you walk us through your journey from high school to present day? Well, you know, my journey really started, Travis, when I was 10. I was saved uh, in the Baptist church, walked down and, and gave my life to Christ. And, uh, you know, it was a wild ride from there and and uh, probably fell off the, the tracks, you know, more than most. Uh, and, and, you know, got into high school and played all the sports and uh, <laughs> had a group of friends that I grew up with that we're still close to this day. My circle's probably pretty tight and, and, uh, had a great, great, uh, experience in high school and grew up Texas city, Texas. And, and, uh, my parents grew up there. Uh, they were raised there. I met my wife in, in high school and we started dating after the 10th grade and praise God, we're still together. Uh, her parents grew up there. Her grandparents lived there. My grandparents, you know, uh, lived there and they all knew each other and, and they were all high school sweethearts. And, uh, it's just, a. I thought Texas city was an ideal place to grow up, man. Cause it's a blue collar town, about seven miles of refineries right on Galveston Bay. You got Galveston just over the bridge and you, you had Houston and the Astrodome and Astroworld 30 minutes North. And so, uh, it was a tough place to grow up, but it was also a, a fun place, uh, to grow up. And, was a was a pretty good player. Uh, was an overachiever. Uh, throwback. I, sometimes I wish I, I played baseball uh, in the twenties or thirties. Maybe I think I could have got to the big leagues. Maybe in that era where it was just rough, tough, and and uh, the skills aren't what they are now. Uh, foot, love football. Uh, love baseball. A little bit of basketball. I wish, you know, I'd have, I'd have done a better job in the classroom. Test scores weren't great and uh, grades weren't weren't great. Wind up junior college to an NAI school and, and uh, you know, great experiences and seen a little bit of all of it. Got to play three years professionally. Uh, one of those years being under Butch Hobson, uh, who had a, a really good big league career and kind of a legend in Alabama, played football for Bear Bryant and uh, football and, and baseball at Alabama, played in the big leagues with the Red Sox, managed the Red Sox, and then he's fired and becomes our manager. And uh, that's that's really where I started cutting my teeth as far as truly honing in on, on, on the game and uh, kind of the game within the game. And uh, – so that was a blessing to to be around Butch, and we're. I talked to him this week. We're still friends to this day. Uh, my dad was always a huge influence on me. He he worked at refinery for thirty some odd years and twelve uh, hour shift work, and you know his work ethic was incredible. And my grandpa as well. And so those guys kind of shaped 
who I am and who I go on to become and uh, got an opportunity at, at the end of my professional career to, to get into coaching with Rob Childress and Dave Van Horn and uh, jumped on it. And, you know, Rob said, go take the GRE. You got to make an 800. And I said, well, if I make an 800, I'll start coaching. I didn't know I wanted to coach. <laughs> he said, you're not good enough to play, man. Trust me, just start coaching. And uh, he, uh, I, I went down to the Sylvan Learning Center and took the test. And I thought, no shot. I hit, I hit, you know, complete or finish. And I made an 800 exactly. And so I took that as a sign from God and started as a graduate assistant at, at uh, Northwestern State with Coach Van Horn and Rob and uh, Don Thomas and, and uh, who would go on to have a great scouting career. Uh, and, and it was just a great place to start with those guys. And we were all friends and, uh, Kathy and I got married while we were there. I went from GA to, to, you know, volunteer to a paid coach making $10,000, uh, my second year. And Kathy and I are married two weeks later, we pack up, we just moved into a little rental and two weeks later we pack up cause I got the head coaching job at Texarkana junior college which I wish they still had. And that was, if you really want to coach, man, that's a great place to start. And uh, because you don't have a field on campus, you're in charge of the field, you're in charge of the living space. Uh, there was really no place to live. Had to figure out to get to school to buy uh, a set of apartments that were for sale. You're the scheduler, you're the trainer. I was actually the AD, believe it or not. There was only two sports, that and softball. Uh, but it was a five-year really good run with some great players. Hunter Pence played for me there, Ryan Patterson, uh, Drew Sutton, uh, just a lot of, you know, we had some big league guys there. And, and uh, Texarkana is a great town. I miss Texarkana. Those good people. And uh, Dave called me and at the end of my fifth year, and he's like, hey, man, I'm going to, to uh, Arkansas. And uh, would you like to come? And I put all our stuff in storage and waited for them to make it official and then packed up and we moved to Fayetteville and uh, just had a great experience. The people there are, are incredible. And, you know, Dave's a natural born winner, no matter what he does, he's going to win. And uh, just, uh, I look back now, I was probably really immature at the time, but uh, learned a lot from Dave, uh, especially on the business side of things. And uh, he's a he's a really good at business, and obviously he wins. And he was a great player himself. He's full of confidence, and that that bleeds into his players. Uh, and then uh, three years later, we'd gone to Omaha. We'd won the SEC, and A and M job comes open, and and Rob gets it, and uh, go down there, and and uh, with him because basically that's where we're from. It was two hours from where we grew up. My sister graduated there. His wife uh, graduated from there. My wife graduated from there. So it was it was like going back home, and uh, you know, associate head coach there for a long time. And and uh, we got knocked on our butt the first year, and uh, came back swinging. Had the biggest turnaround in the NCAA. I created the pack offense, and uh, things just kind of went wild from there. We had a good ride, man, and. Uh, you know, I, I fell off and and uh, lost everything essentially to to beer to a beer bottle and uh, couldn't put it down and that led to going about as low as you can go without you know I was dead 
and uh, everybody tried to reach me. And I think it took really hitting the bottom and I really didn't bounce up. I stayed there a while. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so lose my family for a period of time. My, we lose our, our home money. Uh, th- I think the biggest thing, Travis, you lose is your identity. Mm-hmm. And uh, I lost the camaraderie, the the friendships, the day-to-day interactions, the team. And I did realize, you know, going from an arrogant, overconfident, you know, 30-something that uh, they're going to win with or without you. And they did. And they they won big, won the league, won the tournament, got to Omaha, uh, which was better pill to swallow. Mm-hmm. Uh, unemployable, nobody would hire me, and, and rightfully so. Uh, until Coach Tony show he gave me a second chance. And and uh, I always say God has a sense of humor. He took a drunk and put him in Lafayette, Louisiana, to get him to quit drinking. <laughs> and <laughs> ten and a half years later, I still ain't had a drink. So yeah. uh, Coach Robe and Cajun Nation and just – it was just a family, man. And, and uh, we went on this wild ride and took a bunch of broken dudes, myself included, and uh, we go from 23 and 30 to 43 and 20 to 58 and 10. And we're the number one ranked team in the nation. I think first time it's ever happened. Mid-major ended the regular season as a consensus number one. And it was just, it was a God thing. He, it was, he just molded a bunch of broken men together and, and a bunch of nobodies and turned us into, you know, somebody and, that that uh, after that season, we should have won the national championship. And that's part of the reason I came back here because uh, those kids and coach meant so much to me. And uh, that Sam Houston job opened up and I was so bitter at the time, Travis, that just losing out on that season after being, you know, number one, top eight seed, best offense in the country. Uh, and that Sam Houston job and I had gone for that job before and, and had a phone interview. And uh, so I still had Bobby Williams' number, and Kathy's like, "You gonna call him, right?" And I said, "I ain't calling him." If they, I was still kind of arrogant, and probably still am in some ways. Uh, I said, "If if they want to reach out to me, they can." And uh, she's like, "No, you're getting." I said, "All right, I'll tell you what, I'll text him. I got his number." So I literally got that job by texting Bobby Williams, and uh, long interview process. It's, it's not like he said, "Here's the job." I had to go work for it. And uh, the only reason I got the job, come to find out, is because I took Kathy on the interview with me. And she literally went through it. It was, it was one of these phased out interviews where you meet with a lot of different people. Mm-hmm. She's right there in the room. And they told me that was the only way you got it because they wanted to know if I was back, you know, mm-hmm. if, if we were whole. And then uh, God just blesses us more. We're just bearing good fruit, man. And, and, Tough year, just kind of inherited a team that had lost a bunch of dudes. And they were great the year before. But when I got there, they had lost a lot of guys. And I think we won 30 games and we had largest turnaround again, go 40 something and whatever, win the league, lose out to Arizona, Jay Johnson and them, uh, who went on to play for the national championship. Right here at Lafayette was where the regional was. We won a game or so. And, and uh, but Arizona was kind of our model and we were hungry. And, uh, so we came out the next year, man, and we had our struggles, but we I always say we win because we outlast people. Like we we coming down the stretch, and we had set a record for like most Southland Conference games in a row. But coming down the stretch, dude, we got swept, got swept, lost two out of three, got swept. 
and then went to A and M and beat them on a Tuesday night. And then after that, we had one more series, swept that, got in that tournament. Robbie Rojas, first inning, three run jack, never looked back, walked that tournament again and uh, go to Texas Tech, who was, they were heck on wheels, man. And uh, Arizona's there. Took down Arizona twice, took down Texas Tech twice out of the loser's bracket uh, to be the first team to win a regional in that league. Uh, and I went to, to Florida State, man, and that's where all heck broke loose. Uh, God had been on me to tell, just tell your story, tell your story. I'd felt like damaged goods so long. Tell your story. And uh, we, we, we blew a lead. We're going to be in, we're going to be one game away from Omaha. We had a three run lead in the seventh and dropped it, got walked off and then just got our butts beat the next day. Uh, and then that's when I had the press conference that got 50 million something views and, and uh, God had told me he's going to take me and put me on a little bit bigger stage. I thought he was talking about baseball and uh, it really wasn't Travis. It was about, uh, his power and love and redemption can overcome anything. And, uh, so I did, I, I spoke open and honest in that press conference and it just hit people right between the eyes. And that opened the door for me to speak all over the country and tell them my story. And then I said, well, I'm gonna write a book because I wish I'd have had something like this when I was going through my struggles and it's not going to be long and it's going to have pictures and a big font. Like you can read this. Because most dudes that are that are in the gutter, they're not going to everybody wants to give you stuff, but you're not going to read it. <laughs> yeah. But a lot of people have read that book, man. And and uh, it's amazing the emails I'll get just or people reach out on social media. Got my family back. Uh, been sober for a year. Hey, I heard you speak so and so and I haven't had a drink in two years. And uh it's not me. It's God's story through me and uh, just totally transformed my life. I'm still rough around the edges. And I still probably am overly competitive and say things that are ugly. But uh, one thing is true. I stay Godward uh, in everything I do and uh, come back here. And, and it's been a long I'm not going to lie. It's been a long uphill four year climb uh, to get to where the program is today. I uh, had to make a lot of different moves that were unpopular or this or that, but this program's personal to me, man. I'll die for this place. And uh, because they saved my life and my family. And so finally we got, we got the right dudes in here. A bunch of OKGs, man. I won the league and get back in a regional and play great at A&M regional, take down TCU, big 12 champ. And then they were good. And you saw them this past year. That was the team the following year. So uh, then we got a three-run lead against A&M in the seventh and drop that, or we're going to be in championship game there. And then just play our tails off coming down the stretch. To, to In some ways, it's sweeter to get the first at-large bid that we've had since I was here in 2013. been like 10 years. In some ways, that's more validation because that's that's people saying, no, they need to keep playing. Mm. And uh, I thought we played our just butts off at the Miami Regional. And Texas robbed a three-run homer and made some great plays in the outfield. They they outplayed us, but we were right there, man. And uh, Miami, I thought, had a good team. That was a great game. Beat Maine. 
Uh, and so I think we're right there, Travis, to do something crazy. I love this team. It's kind of the group I've been waiting on. And uh, so we'll see, see what God has in store. But he's working in this this program. We've had three kids baptized already, and they asked me to do it, which was fun. Uh, got to do that at a church service. We all go to church together in the fall. So uh, it's, it's just been cool to watch God work. Love that. Dude, thanks, thanks for walking us through that. What year was that, um, the regional, when you shared, you know, with the press conference? What year? That was 17. Okay. Yep. Um, biggest biggest influence on your professional career, Who who's it been? Oh, I've been blessed, Travis. I mean, you know, my dad is one. Mm. That's one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's just my guy. So Butch Hobson is right there. He was just, he was the definition of what loyalty and a player's manager looks like. Mm. Like you go for me, I'm going to go for you. And, uh, he knew how to keep it loose. He knows how to keep, keep it fast. He knows, uh, when to crack the, the whip <laughs> learned a lot there. And of course, <clears throat> watching Dave Van Horn operate, he's a master. He is a master, and uh, he's a winner. Rob is the most relational coach I've been with. Uh, he's the best relationship builder I've ever seen. Mm. And that's why those guys, that anybody that came up with Rob, I don't care where it's been, they're still in touch with him to this day. Yeah. And that, look, they'll bleed for that dude. And, uh, and then there's Coach Rowe. And I learned so much from, you know, he was wise. Uh, beyond his years and and uh quick with a story he was funny he was a winner i uh, he, he was an incredible pitching coach uh but he was very patient and pragmatic and thought out and uh he built this program from the ground up and he, it's a model that he left and uh he, you know i'm i'm the guy that'll jump off the high dive without looking he's the guy that's going to measure it out and so we were we were really good compliment to each other. Yeah. And I miss him to this day. Uh, and I'll throw another one in there. And, and uh, it's Dave Jorn, who for me was pound for pound best guy in the country for a long time. And I did something that served me pretty good is when I was at Arkansas and I'm in my early 30s, I took the time to learn pitching from Dave Jorn. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of a lot of hitters don't do that. And I thought it was important, and it's it's served me well over the years as far as being able to coach on both sides of it. Yeah. So you, I'm gonna I'm gonna drill down a little bit on Van Horn because you mentioned about kind of his his you know he's a businessman. What else made him? What else makes him so special? He can really he can he can coach. He can instruct. You're not gonna outwork him. Uh, he will. If there's a job to do, he's gonna do it. Okay. And uh his work at that that's the thing about him and Rob that people don't see is their their work ethics are second, like their Hall of Fame work ethics. I mean, they don't stop. Uh but Dave is Dave's also very savvy at making moves, mm. no matter what it is. He's a great recruiter. Okay. But he's when it, don't underestimate the fact when I tell you he's a natural born winner. We we would call it the Van Horn factor. Yeah. Uh, you could be down three in the ninth. Guess what? 
ain't nobody worried because we got Van Horn. Hmm. That's just a fact. And uh, he's the guy that I don't care if you're playing golf. I don't care if you're playing ping pong. I don't care if it's darts. I don't care if it's a game of pool. Guess who's winning? He's just that guy. I saw him, and he doesn't play golf. I saw him shoot par, and he drained like a 30-foot putt on 18 to get to 72. Hmm. He just wills it to happen. Yeah, interesting. Okay, what 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 are your strengths? If I if I pulled out 20, 20 people who's been around you the last couple years and ask, what is Matt Dake's top couple strengths? What what allows him to have success? What would they say? I think they're gonna say he's a grinder and and he has the ability to get guys to overachieve. How do you do that? By instilling just copious amounts of belief and putting them in situations to not only succeed, but situations that I know they're not, but teaching them how to bounce back up off out of that. And uh, I think you've got to give them a vision, a mission, an identity. You got to give them the game plan. How are we going to do that? What's our why? Okay. And then what's the outcome? I think clarity is number one when it comes to building a team or, or culture. For me, culture is just leadership and action on a daily basis. Well, as a leader, my number one job is to create clarity. What's our vision? What's our mission? What's our why? How are we going to do it? And what's the final outcome? That's what people want to know. And if they know that, they'll run through a wall for you. If they don't know it, there's confusion. Confusion is going to equal a lack of clarity, and it's just going to equal cowardice. Really, not intentional. They just won't do it. Yeah. And uh, good. So I think building leaders and teams and and getting them to overachieve is my, my strength. Uh, and I know how to create runs uh, offensively. So uh, it hasn't been perfect. I always say I don't know what my record is. I look at it like an MMA fighter. <laughs> I've I've kicked some butt and I've had my butt kicked plenty, but I enjoy it like that. To me, it's all about the scrap. What is your purpose? I'm going to tell you right now, for a long time, it was it was straight up because I'm addicted to competition. I, I am. And that's just me being honest with you. That's that I'm addicted to it. And if some good qualities of me rub off on you, great. But as we go, Travis, and I've crested over the hill and I can see the pasture at the bottom, right? I just can't. I realized, and, and I watch what's going on around me, that my purpose is pretty clear, and it's to send one by one grown men out the clubhouse mm-hmm. that are prepared to go stand for something bigger than themselves. And they will not only stand for it, they're going to fight for it, and they're going to speak up for it. If this generation wants to whoop the other generation or whoop their peers, just whoop their butts up and down, stand for something, be accountable own it, and speak. Learn how to communicate and speak. Be vocal. Mm. And you're going to outwork. They'll win at everything. Yeah. Everything. You know, I always say this is when it comes to leadership and and servant leaders is you hear a lot, man. I'm more of a, a leader by example. 
Well, if that's the case, then you're a heck of a follower. That's what I call you. Because there's no great leader that doesn't speak. You have to speak because you have to create clarity. You have to motivate and you have to inspire. Mm. There's only one of those that doesn't take words, and that's inspiration. Other than that, if I'm going to motivate you, I've got to speak to you, or I've got to play your favorite song, or I'm going to play your favorite movie. But there's words. Yeah. To create clarity, what am I going to do? Show you a bunch of pictures? I have to speak. And that's lost on this generation. And I always say, look, and I tell our guys, everybody says kids have changed. Kids haven't changed. Our accountability with kids has changed. Kids will give you exactly what you demand of them. Dude, I love that. Um, how has your accountability, how has your coaching changed over, let's just say, the last five years, maybe five to seven years versus the, 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 the previous years? <clears throat> well, I was real bad for a long time about doing everything. Mm. And I've really, Seth Thibodeau has been great for me. And, uh, you know, 12 years at Nichols as a head coach. If you can head coach at Nichols for 12 years, you can coach anybody, anywhere, anytime. Hey, and not only was he head coach, he's winning, dude. Nobody wanted to play that guy. Well, me and him hook up. It's, it was just a God thing. He was fired. I needed a coach. He's not a pitching coach, but I'm like, dang, dude, you're good enough. I needed another head coach. And I've learned a lot watching him and giving him a ton and my coaches a lot. And I think that's an area I've grown in. I'm way more flexible. Uh, don't take myself near as serious. Mm. You get better as you go, man. If you don't, you get phased out. Yeah. And so I think uh, I'm in a good spot right now as far as where I'm at personally and and my coaching journey. and. As you know, having done it for a long time yourself, it's not an easy gig. Mm. Uh, it's it's the most rewarding gig, right? The, the clock's going to fly by and you're going to have fun. Uh, but there's a lot of get off the map moments. Yeah. 